I'm Heather Bushman for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. And I'm Yadira Galindo. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Today on N Equals One, we're talking about my favorite topic, bacteria. More specifically, the bacteria on your skin. The good, the bad, and the potentially very helpful. So when you think of your skin, what first comes to mind? For me, skin says so much about a person. It says health, it says illness, it says youth or age. So I think it's very revealing about a person. So true. Uh, And I think of the the darker side, acne, wrinkles, you know, the two things you spend your whole life battling, it seems. (laughs) But what I also find fascinating about skin is that it's not even as human as we like to think. We all have up to 100,000 bacteria living on every square inch of our skin, which totally sounds gross, but most of it actually keeps us healthy. And the unique genetic makeup of these communities is known as our skin microbiome. You're right. My skin is different from yours, not just by skin color or the amount of wrinkles I might have, Uh but what's living on it, right? So I I, I recently talked to an expert on this subject here at UCC Nagel Health. I'm uh, Richard Gallo. I'm the professor and chairman of dermatology at the University of California, San Diego. Dr. Gallo says that it's exciting to think about all these bugs living on us because it means we're not just locked into the genes we inherited from our parents. Based on our lifestyle, we can exchange most of our genetic information for something better. How so? Okay, here's an example. Do you or anyone you know suffer from eczema? I don't, but my nephew does, and I know it's terrible, especially for kids. Red, scaly, itchy skin. Exactly. It affects approximately 18 million people in the United States and 22% of children under the age of five in industrial countries. So what causes it? Well, it's a mix of factors, both genetic and environmental, but essentially a person's immune system goes haywire. And according to Dr. Gallo, for some reason, people with eczema tend to have more of one certain type of bacterium on their skin, Staphylococcus aureus, which makes the problem worse. Here's Dr. Gallo. My lab is known for the discovery of antimicrobial peptides in human skin. The lab has been focused on ways we fight against bacteria. And when it became clear that, you know, obviously many bacteria normally live in our skin, we started asking ourselves, is the fight a little bit smarter than we thought? Is there a reason why we're allowing some microbes on the skin? Could they be doing some good for us? Um, So almost 10 years ago now, we had a a paper, which there was a fair amount of news about, where we discovered um, there's some products of the non-pathogenic bacteria that help fight inflammation. So there's the anti-inflammatory effects. And then another graduate student had found a laboratory strain of bacteria made a particular type of molecule that could kill bacteria. So theoretically, we had seen in a laboratory setting that maybe there would be benefit. And the problem in eczema is? You and I, and who don't have the disease, have a lot of different kinds of bacteria producing a lot of different kinds of previously undiscovered Uh, antimicrobials, but when you looked at the disease people have a lot of bacteria on the skin, their bacteria weren't making this, they had the wrong type. Okay, so if we know that healthy skin is full of good bacteria that fights off the bad, but people with eczema lack that good bacteria, can we do anything to restore the balance for those suffering? 
because using microbes to fight microbes would be super cool. That's exactly what Dr. Gallo and his team, led by project scientist Teru Nakatsuchi, wondered. In a recent study published in Science Translational Medicine, they tested out what's known as microbiome transplant. Here's how Dr. Gallo describes the study. This study, these people needed it because it was very rare that they had any good ones. Mm -hmm. But you could find a few good ones if you screen hundreds of them. You just take a cotton swab and wipe the skin very non-invasively. And then from that cotton swab, we made the DNA and we sequenced millions of base pairs of DNA to help describe what the genetic makeup of the bacteria are. And that's been done before and we saw similar results, but we took it, he took it a step further by also isolating and growing those bacteria, testing them for their ability to find, to kill Staph aureus, measuring how many of them do kill Staph aureus, and then picking the good ones and putting them on the people then who are deficient in that. Oh, so it's a self-transfer. That kind of reminds me of some cell-based immunotherapies for cancer where they isolate a person's immune cells, soup them up to better target the cancer cells, and then give them back to the patient. That's right. Both are good examples of personalized medicine. So did this approach work for Dr. Gall and his team? Well, first of all, this approach was only tested with five people. In this case, N equals five. Mm -hmm. This was a small group, so more work is needed. But for every single one of these five people, it worked. Each experienced a 100-fold reduction in Staphylococcus aureus after just one application. Cool. Now, whether or not that led to a reduction in their symptoms, fewer itchy patches, for example, remains to be seen in future studies. Yeah, yeah well, we, we call it a transplant mm -hmm. because like an organ transplant, you know, our long-term goal would be to put these naturally occurring good bacteria on people who need them and have them stay and divide and survive. Um, that's a long-term goal. The, the short-term observations are that the problems that these people have to start with, maybe their genetics, maybe their environment, are working against that. So we're seeing that you know, right now, people with the disorder look like they need to have it reapplied over and over again because they just don't naturally promote the growth of these organisms, which is easy to do because it's just a cream. Um, but ideally, we could do it just once and have it stick. So what is next? Same thing, but for more people? Yes. Now they have to try to scale this up. Here's Dr. Gallo again. That's not very practical for large scale treatment. So, you know, you need, we need to go to the next step and see if there's some more universal strains that work on many people. Um, the, the initial clinical trial that's been published was done at a single site, and the next clinical trial that we're actively revving up is involved with a, um, something called the Atopic Dermatitis Research Network, and that's a multi-site, multi-investigator uh, study that goes across the nation. Um, and we're leading it here out of UCSD. So using microbes as medicine is an interesting approach, but new isn't always better. Why not just kill off the harmful Staph aureus with antibiotics? Well, the advantage to this microbial transplant cream is that it's specific to the Staphylococcus aureus that's the problem. Hmm. Traditional antibiotics are not as discriminating. They kill lots of types of bacteria, including the beneficial ones that we want to stick around. That's one problem. Another is that bacteria can become resistant to antibiotics over time. In fact, 
The antibiotic resistant form of the bacterium is called methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or better known as MRSA. You've probably heard MRSA before. Mm -hmm. But could harmful bacteria develop resistance to this new approach too, just the same way as they have to antibiotics? That's far less likely, Dr. Gallo says. Well, what's unique about these approaches is that they don't rely on just the single class of natural bacterial antibiotic. Resistance happens when you just attack a bug one way. And what this type of microbiome approach or bacteriotherapy does is attacks the pathogens by multiple different ways at the same time. Turns out that's how the body naturally defends against infections. And that is something that has been effective for hundreds of thousands of years in evolution. So we believe the strategy more than the chemical itself resists resistance. All right, so until we can all fix our skin microbiomes with personalized creams whenever needed, what can I do to promote the growth of healthy bacteria on my skin? Unfortunately, there's not much. We wish we knew the answer to that. What we do know is that luckily, the skin bacteria are very resistant to some of the things that we do. So normal hygiene practices, it turns out, do not dramatically change the skin bacteria. A lot of what determines what our bacteria are, it's almost a little bit like genetics. It may be some of the first bacteria that you're exposed to um, as a child or as a baby when you're born. It may also be in part by what your particular genetics are, so your own body is growing different nutrients. And then of course the environment. So if you put your genetic makeup and your family exposure in a very dry environment or a very moist environment, that's gonna shift things too. It's an area, it's an active area of investigation to look at other things we may be able to do to supplement that, but there's no clear answer to that question. All right, all right. I guess there's no magical bacterial cream to clear up my skin just yet. Nope, sorry. Well, that's it for this episode. If you're interested in learning more about the microbes that live in and on us, and even how you can get your own microbiome sequence to see what you've got and how it compares to others, check out the very first episode of N equals one, the one called What's Living in Your Poop. For N equals one, I'm Heather. And I'm Yadira. Thanks for joining us.